Hello, and welcome to the Bayside Sermon Series Podcast. I'm your host, Marcus Duckworth, Media and Technical Director at Bayside. This week, we are in Psalm 103 with Pastor Dave Ritter. Hope you enjoy our conversation. All right, welcome back to the podcast. This week, we are discussing Psalm 103, uh, the, the sermon title on bended knee. This week, we're looking at the Hebrew word barach. In our English Bibles, it's translated to praise the Lord or bless the Lord, but it carries the connotation of kneeling before the Lord as an act of adoration. Now, there's the phrase from verse 1, barachi napsi et adonai. And I grew up in a Christian culture that valued and maybe idolized a deeper examination of the scriptures. And one thing that I came to enjoy doing was looking at various resources on any given text. Concordances, parallel Bibles, and an interlinear Bible. And one of my most treasured Bibles was a King James Version and Greek New Testament that belonged to my grandmother. And this was an interlinear where you would see the translation along with the text. My grandmother was one of the first women to attend seminary in the 1940s in Cincinnati, where she graduated magna cum laude. Now, looking at the Hebrew text in verse 1 uh, of Psalm 103, you won't see the word Adonai, as is in the phrase that you, you said, Pastor Dave. The text says Yahweh. Can you talk about the significance of, of why that change is there? Yeah, there's a long-standing tradition among Hebrew speakers, that you never pronounce the name uh, Yahweh. Uh, in, in English, we translated Y-H-W-H. It's called the Tetragrammaton that stands for the name of, of God. It's how it, God identifies himself to Moses at the burning bush, I am. Um, and, and then it gets carried forward as the personal name of God, Y-H-W-H. And among Hebrew speakers, it was regarded as a name so sacred that you didn't dare pronounce it. Uh, and so instead of pronouncing it uh, when, when they would read it out loud, Baraki Nafsi Adonai, it actually is Baraki uh, Nafsi Yahweh, but uh, you, they would come to that word and wherever they would see that, it, though you would see that in the, in the Hebrew text, you would always substitute Adonai, uh, Lord, instead of saying the name. In fact, uh, to this day, Orthodox uh, Jews would, would refer to Hashem, the name, um, rather than actually say the name. And so uh, our English translations actually capture that tradition so that if our English Bible was being translated word for word, it would say, uh, Barak the Lord, bless the Lord, um, uh, bless Yahweh, O my soul. Uh, but we're following the tradition of the, the Hebrew, where you insert the word Lord in place of the sacred name of God. And that's why in your English Bible, you'll see bless the Lord, L, capital L, capital O, capital R, capital D, rather than just capital L-O-R-D. Uh, when Lord is spelled all in capitals, that's a tip-off to the fact that in the original Hebrew, that's the actual name of God, uh, Y-H-W-H. 
So uh, our English Bibles, in a kind of a curious way, follow that old tradition. And instead of pronouncing the name of God, um, substitute the word Lord in its place. Our discussion point number two, wherever in Psalm 103 you see the word bless or praise, it is translated in the word barach. Who is being encouraged in the first five verses to praise the Lord on bended knee and the reasons for doing so? Uh, as we look at the first five verses, I'll read that real quick. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. Who forgives all your iniquity, who heals all your distresses, who redeems your life from the pit, who crowns you with steadfast love and mercy, who satisfies you with good, so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. Yeah, so this is David, uh, King David, the author of the psalm, speaking to himself. He's, he's kind of rousing himself to, to praise the Lord in a manner the Lord deserves to be praised. Uh, and it's kind of striking that the word for praise that he chooses to use here is the word barak, uh, to, to adore on bended knee, if you will, to, to kneel before in worship. Uh, because he's the king. Uh, and so here's the king of Israel uh, basically saying, even I, the king, need to kneel before the Lord because he's the one who deserves uh, this kind of praise. And and then he basically says, you know, all that is within me, bless his holy name. Um, it, it's going to take everything I've got. And then bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. So then verses 3, 4, and 5 basically enumerate the blessings that David has experienced, his reasons for for praising the Lord, um, including he forgives all my sins, he heals all my diseases, uh, he takes me out of the pit, he, he crowns me with steadfast love and mercy, all these things that kind of reflect on David's experience with God, uh, his forgiveness, uh, especially of his sin with Bathsheba and the murder of Uriah, uh, documented by David even more eloquently in Psalms 32 and 51. Uh, he delivers me from my diseases, heals me from my diseases, uh, must have reference to some time when David was ill and, and God healed him. Uh, so David David experienced healing. And the thing I said in the sermon, though, is we got to be careful not to take that verse out of context and claim it as, as a promise to us, because it's not a promise. It's a report of David's experience. He, who heals all your diseases. So some people will take that and say, see, there's a guarantee that God will heal all our diseases. Well, no, <laughs> that's not a guarantee that he'll heal all our diseases. Uh, in his sovereignty, God heals some and not others. But David's experience, at least, was that in this instance, he was healed. And, um, uh, you know, anybody who's who's had a, a time in their lives when they were ill and they prayed for healing and and God gave them healing, can identify with what David's saying here. Uh, that's another of God's benefits. He delivers me from the pit, um, uh, guides my, uh, who, who um, uh, delivered him from the hand of King Saul when he had to hide in the, the uh, caves of En Gedi, uh, crowns me with steadfast love and mercy. David may be thinking of his coronation day there. Uh, satisfies you with good so that your youth is renewed by the eagles. Uh, you know, there's kind of a general report of how God has experienced, um, that David has experienced God's provision in his life. So David's basically saying, uh, 
you know, I, I've been blessed and I, I dare not forget all that. And as I remember these things, as I call them to mind, I recall them to heart. It motivates me to, to adore the Lord on bended knee, uh, if you will. Um, I, I think it's, it's instructive that um, David begins the list with forgiveness because that probably is the, the number one benefit uh, that David experienced in his life. And it's something that should provoke us, uh, all of us who've received forgiveness of our sins in Christ, uh, should be at the top of our list too. Right. David is reminding us that God is our personal Savior. He's He's big, he's, he's everywhere, but he's also right there with us. And that leads us to, to the third question, that though the word Barach is not used in verse 6 through 18, King David is reminding the people of Israel that they collectively have reason to praise the Lord. And, and what are some of those reasons? And from the text, he says, slow to anger. And there's a, a special visual description of God being long in the nose, it seems unique kind of describing him that way. Yeah, we would, in our vernacular, say he has a long fuse, right? Mm-hmm. It's it's kind of the same idea. And yeah, you're right. Uh, the word Barak doesn't appear in the middle verses of the psalm, but it's almost as if David is extending uh, his exhortation, forget not all his benefits. Now he's basically saying to the nation, don't you forget all his benefits, all, all the ways that he's blessed us. And, you know, he kind of recounts, the deliverance from um, from uh, Egypt. Um, he, he talks about you know God's provision in the wilderness, the conquest of of lands that you know um, cities where they dwelt in cities they did not uh, build and harvested grapes from vineyards they had not planted. So all, all all of this basically is intended to take this idea of adoring the Lord acknowledging his greatness on bended knee, uh, now extending it from David personally to encouraging the whole nation to get involved in this. And so there's there's kind of a, a ripple effect, if you will, if David is the stone in the pond and there's a splash there and, 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 and David says, you know, bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me, bless his holy name. And now he's basically reminding the nation of all of the Lord's benefits and how he has blessed them and inviting them to join in this, uh, what's becoming a symphony of praise. So David kind of starting off uh, like a solo trumpet, and now the orchestra comes in uh, to join him in in that praise. Uh, the praise keeps extending farther and farther out. I really appreciate David takes the time to describe two unmeasurable features in, in creation to show the vastness and greatness of God. He says that as high as the heavens are above the earth, and as far as the east is from the west. And you, and you made uh, a good point of, of how far the east is from the west. The two don't ever meet. And and from where earth begins and heaven ends, those those are things that even our, in our scientifically advanced cultures, we, we struggle with grasping those concepts. But then he contrasts that with the image of a father showing compassion to his children, this personal, intimate connection that we have with God. Yeah, you have a kind of an abstract concept followed by a very personal one, right? So as far as the East is from the West, that's, you know, you start thinking about that, that's pretty far. Um, uh, 
even farther than the north is from the south, because north and south meet at the North Pole, if you will. But east and west never meet. As far as you keep going east and east and east and east, you'll never be going west again. Uh, so, yeah, so there's kind of that, that cosmic sort of aspect of God's forgiveness. But then it gets very personal of, of bidding Israel to think of the Lord as a compassionate father who, who knows uh, the frailty of his children. And, um, and, and then this discussion of, you know, we're, we're like grass of the field. Um, you know, in the, summer, in, in the rainy season, grass springs up quite readily in Judea. But then the summer comes and the scorching hot sun and, and the wind off the desert and literally almost overnight vegetation uh, dries up and wilts and, and disappears and you don't even know where it was. Uh, its place remembers it no more. That's how fleeting our lives are. And yet the steadfast love of the Lord is from everlasting to everlasting. Uh, you know, our lives are transitory, but his love never quits. Um, and uh, he... he it remembers his children. Uh, his righteousness extends to their children's children. So it's it's a legacy that gets passed on um, to those who who keep his commandments, uh, who keep his covenant, and remember to keep his commandments. So the idea is, yeah, that we're we're weak, um, we're frail, we mess up, um, we are very fleeting. Our lives are fleeting, but. God's love in comparison is inexhaustible. And, and, and I think that's, you know, what Israel is bidden basically to look back on her history of constant rebellion against God. And then to be reminded that, you know, in spite of it all, God has been slow to anger, abounding in love and mercy and, um, and, and forgiveness. So, so basically David is saying, hey, I've got a lot to personally praise God for. But Israel, we, we all together need to adore God on bended knee in light of his mercy for, toward us. So one of the words that I've noticed in each of the weeks in this current series that, that is a, a reappearing word uh, is that steadfast love, the word hesed. It's four times in this one psalm. Uh, I see it in verse 4, 8... 11 and 17 mm-hmm. and in that constant reminder of God's steadfast unfailing love yeah it's really hard to translate Hesed but it's just loaded with with content uh, steadfast love mercy uh, covenantal love it's it's that it's that uh, tenacious love of God that doesn't quit on us even if we quit on him Um yeah, and and you find it everywhere in the Psalms. You find it in, in throughout the Old Testament. It's going to come up in the next of the Psalms that I'm preaching, Psalm 107. Uh, but it's it's a very important word, and uh, and basically David is reminding Israel of don't don't forget God's steadfast love. This is another another reason for us, uh, in light of not just the fact that that's how God is, but that He has proven that steadfast love in the history of Israel over and over and over again. Our fourth discussion point, in verses 19 through 22, all of creation is exhorted to Barach, the Lord. Who or what specifically is encouraged to join in this symphony of praise? 
Yeah, this is this is kind of cool to me because now the word Barak comes back again, and it's it's in a particular exhortation to angels. So it's like, all right, my praise is a good start. Uh, it's good to bring in the praises of Israel, but our God is so great that you know if we're going to make his his praise truly glorious, it's going to take even more than that. So David basically exhorts angels to adore the Lord on bended knee. Um, you angels, you mighty ones who do his word. And, and that called to mind to me uh, what happened outside the city of David on, on that night that Jesus was born. Of, you know, David wasn't there, but I, I, I could only imagine if he had been there and saw the, the announcement of the angel and then a, a multitude, a company of the heavenly host was there praising God and saying glory to God in the highest. Uh, that's, that's to me a picture of what David is, is imagining here. Of, of all of the hosts of heaven, the, the, the uh, angels of heaven, lifting their voices in praise of God and adoring him on bended knee. Uh, it's a pretty exciting picture because David is basically saying, um, you know, not just that I should praise God, but Israel, we should praise God. In fact, all creation should be praising God uh, for how he reigns over all. So he starts with um, angels, and then he goes to heavenly hosts in verse 21. Bless the Lord, all his hosts. Um, speaking most certainly of the heavenly hosts, the sun, the moon, the stars, the planets that move at his command, uh, you know, giving light to the earth and and warmth and making tides to rise and fall. Uh, hardly any, any created bodies that you can imagine that are greater than the heavenly hosts. And yet he says that they also should bow before him in worship. And, and then he finally says, uh, you know, kind of as a catch-all, bless the Lord all his works in all places of his dominion. Wherever there's anything that God has created, uh, it, it should join in this, in this magnificent um, symphony of praise to God. Uh, and that in itself is kind of curious um, because that would, that would pick up everything else, all, all animals, all, all plant matter, all in, in, inanimate objects, you know, everywhere there's anything, you know, the mountains, the seas, um, you, you know, let them bless the Lord. Um, and, and, and that, that sounds like, well, how's, how's that work? Because, you know, the ocean doesn't have a mind, the, the mountains don't have a mind, um, you know, different birds and animals and whatever. And I and I just love this illustration I came across that talks about bioacoustics and how basically everything in the universe emits a noise. Mm -hmm. uh, even a carbon atom um, emits a hundred different frequencies, which is, is more than, than a grand piano that emits only 88, um, you know. And so there's this, this whole idea that we can't hear them necessarily, but as the one author put it, you know, if you could hear the, the thrumming of mollusks or the, the harmonics of a bunch of flies buzzing over a meadow in the sun, uh, you know, the, the one author says, if, if we could had ears to hear it, the sound would lift us off our feet. And, and I, I'm sure that David didn't know about bioacoustics, but as the Spirit of God uh, inspired David to write these words, uh, I can't help but think that that you know, there's there's this whole notion that, hey, we we may not have ears to hear it, but there's this there's this symphony of praise uh, that, uh, that that rises 
to the ears of God because he can hear it all. And, and, um, and, and he deserves all, all that praise. Uh, my praise personally, the praise of the nation. And we talked on Sunday about how, well, you know, we're not Israel, but, but even at Bayside, we can see the steadfast love of God and his mercy and grace poured out on us. And so we should corporately give praise. And then all creation should join in the symphony of praise. And the beauty of it is that the, the psalm kind of comes to a crescendo in that second line of verse 22. Bless the Lord all his works in all places of his dominion. But then David comes back personally. It's like you have this solo trumpet coming back. Bless the Lord, oh my soul. Uh, you know, so the, the one who led us off in this chorus of praise comes back and speaks again to his own heart saying, uh, you know, I, even I, the king, need to adore the king of kings on bended knee. It's a beautiful psalm. Discussion point five. In the last line of the psalm, King David comes back to remind himself to bend the knee in adoration of the Lord. He is so great that we all should bow before him. If you were to write the psalm recounting the blessings of God, that you should not forget what would they be? And as we come to take some time to reflect, this is the time of year uh, where we think about all that God has done for us. We come up to Thanksgiving and how we can best remember those things in, in service and, and thinking about where God has brought us through this year. What are some of those blessings that uh, we should not be forgetting? Yeah, I think as a, as a practical exercise, um, what I did when I was working through the psalm was I, I said, all right, if, if I am going to personally praise God for all he's done for me, how would I write the first five verses of Psalm 1? And I would encourage anybody who's listening to this podcast to just take a few minutes and, and, uh, and rewrite uh, Psalm 103 verses 1 through 5 uh, and, and put in for yourself, what are God's benefits in my life? What has he done for me? And when I did that, it came out like this. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. So those, those two are right straight from David. Um, and, and then I go on to say, forget not all his benefits, who forgives all your iniquity. I, I can say that along with David. Who heals all your hurts. Who guided your steps from the time you were young who blessed you with godly parents who love Jesus, who satisfies you with a love, loving wife and family and blesses the work of your hands. That's, that's how I would write mine. Uh, not Yours wouldn't be like mine. Uh, we, we all would say something different there. But especially this time of year as we're moving toward Thanksgiving, I think it, it'd be a great exercise for us all to think about, um, you know, the Lord's benefits and, and what it is that we have to bless him for. And this might be a very new activity for some people, those that are not accustomed to to spending that kind of activity in the Word, or those that were brought up under a tradition of this is a sacred thing. So we're, we're trying to, to take time to have introspection on what the Word means to us and to write those things down. So we're not asking you to rewrite the psalm, just apply it to yourself personally. Yeah, so it's not, right, you're not writing scripture, right? But you're doing what David did. I think the Psalms, uh, many of the Psalms really are just David's prayer journal. 
Yeah. You know, it's it's David writing out his prayers, and and I advocate that uh, as as a really good practice for any believer. I don't know about you, but when I have my prayer times, boy, my my brain wanders, <laughs> and and so uh, I have down through the years taken to doing my prayer time with my pen in hand and a, and a legal pad in front of me. And I, I write out my prayers, not necessarily word for word all the time, but writing down, you know, key concepts or thoughts or names of people I'm praying for. And it helps discipline my thought as I'm praying. And the, the beauty of it is now I've got literally boxes, bankers boxes full of these prayer journals I can go back and, and look at and remember uh, how God has answered prayer over the years. And so, um, yeah, sort of in the spirit of a prayer journal, start with these first five verses of, of Psalm 103 and ask, all right, this was David's prayer, his, his recounting of God's benefits in his life for which he praises the Lord. Uh, what would be on my list? And and kind of take, you know, what David wrote as a cue to, to write out God's blessings uh, in your life for, for yourself. And our sixth discussion point, again, another reflection. As you come to a close, spending time in prayer, praising the Lord for all the ways that he has blessed you. And certainly thinking about uh, how God is blessing us here at Bayside. As we've been trying to do the last couple of podcasts, looking at the gospel presentation from Psalm 103. Yeah, so it's it's right there, uh, really, in verse 3. Um, and, you know, bless the Lord, O my soul, forgot not, forget not all his benefits. And benefit number one is who forgives all your iniquity. And uh, the, the reminder in the sermon was that if you're a follower of Jesus and you know that he died on the cross to pay for your sin, he rose from the dead, uh, conquering sin and death for you, if you put your faith and trust in Christ, as your savior, uh, then then you can say with David, who forgives all your iniquity. Um, we have a we have a God who is gracious and merciful, who has provided a way for our sins to be forgiven. And uh, one of the invitations that we made on Sunday was uh, for anybody who is not sure that their sins have been forgiven to come and have a, a conversation. And several people did do that on Sunday. Um, and that'd be my encouragement as we close, is to anyone listening, if you don't know for certain that your sins have been forgiven, uh, we'd love to talk to you about that. Uh, just send one of the pastors an email or call us at the church office, and uh, let's set up a time to talk. All right. Thank you very much, Pastor Dave, for your time. Thank you all for joining us this week. Next week, we will be in Psalm chapter 56 with Pastor Ken Carlson, The Expectation of Praise. Have a blessed week.